the fan. of 9 to Noon and Arifa San, weekly guest courtesy of the Pro Football Network. I suppose now is as good a time as any to listen to Sideshow and look at some Covenant quickies. Speaking of a Sideshow, nice stretch by the Wolves for the course of about a five or six game clip. But now two awful lopsided losses in which the Howl, the Timberwolves, have allowed 137 and 142. From their opponents respectively last night wolves blown out and the news right now of course covenant quickie style is carl anthony towns undergoing an mri on his right calf on tuesday if you didn't see it uh, last night makes a turn down the floor in washington against the wizards again the Wiz, the bradley beals of the group handled business last night for the for them Reaches back to grab at his calf, leaving uncertainty about whether he may or may not have suffered an Achilles injury. Carl Anthony Towns needed help to leave the court for the locker room. An initial examination, this courtesy of ESPN.com, has suggested that Cat's imaging upon returning to Minnesota would be unlikely to reveal severe damage. So Wolves at this point now below 500. They're hosting the Grizzlies tomorrow. I would venture a guess to say that Carl's probably not going to play in that game. But the less severe that this injury remains certainly would be the A topic for the health of this season. Head coach Chris Finch after the game still answering questions each and every night, it feels like, about the Cat and Rudy quote-unquote experiment. He's still buying in, still trying to find chemistry, still trying to make this thing happen, while the team is currently having trouble winning games and playing any semblance of defense. In the NFL last night, Pittsburgh Steelers win 24-17 over the visiting, or excuse me, it was in Indy against the Indianapolis Colts. Kenny Pickett, 20 of 28, 174 yards. No scores through the air, but also didn't turn the ball over like that. Benny Snell with the go-ahead touchdown. Najee Harris continues to find his way into the end zone, but can't find his way to any quality yardage. And the Colts now fall to 4-7-1. Jeff Saturday, interim head coach, being criticized for timeout usage or lack of timeout usage, late stages of the game, ultimately unable to get the victory there. And the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to stay out of the basement of the AFC North. They're battling for least supremacy with the Cleveland Browns at this stage. And next up for them, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Monday Night Football. You like that? They're at the Atlanta Falcons. Covenant Quickies. Provided by absolutely nobody. 
Still waiting for the host. And still waiting for the guest. Nine to noon. As we mentioned earlier, nine to noon. During the 11 o'clock hour, we may get into this uh, with Arif Hassan as well. It's a playoff push. Now at nine and two, and during Vikes Bites, getting into the negativity of the defense, getting into problems that exist with our own favorite team, but the nine and two counts. Nine and two Vikings are second in the NFC, and with an opportunity to clinch the NFC North this weekend, can start to scoreboard watch. That's what we as Rubes can start doing now, now trying to figure out remaining schedules of the Philadelphia Eagles and the Niners, who have won four straight and have Christian McCaffrey and are getting healthier on defense and look like an absolute pain in the ass. The scoreboard watching over the final month and a half of the NFL calendar and figuring out where the Vikings will slot in. I think it's fair to, at this stage, just say the Vikings are going to win the NFC North for the first time in five seasons. And we absolutely love that. But then what? As Vikings fans waiting for this thing to get good again and loving the new regime, loving the record, loving J.J. and his offense at times, and just trying to figure out what the hell we got going on defensively and getting out alive in some of these games. Love winning the division, but it doesn't feel like that is what's going to leave the best taste in Vikings fans' mouths. We care about January, and we can start to project forward. Uh, as the standings right now, we need Philly over the course of their next six games, their final six games. they got to lose two more games than us. And if we want that one seed, the idea of getting home field advantage throughout the course of the NFC playoffs could bode incredibly well for the purple and gold. Again, love the idea of getting a bye week opportunity in our home stadium. Thank you. But moving forward, now, how does that line up? Minnesota Vikings as the two spot currently would host the Washington Commanders wild card weekend. Only one team gets the bye, and right now the Vikings are the first team out of that mix. Thank you. Still oh. no Arif. Still no Arif. Okay, well. Roads are bad, man. Roads are awful. There's a snowstorm out there. We love Arif. We hope he's driving safely. Mm-hmm. We hope he arrives or has arrived safely at Planet Utica. And then we may even potentially see him in studio at some point over the next half hour. What made up Love Covenant quickies? I just hit on the Wolves. Uh, two disastrous losses in a row now. Lopsided gave up 137 to uh, Golden State. Gave up a buck 42 last night to Mr. Porzingis and Bradley Beal. How about Porzingis? Are you kidding me with that first half he had? No, he's awesome. When 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 I texted you before the um uh, the playoff the playoff push primer bit came up, I'm like I'm gonna watch this game because. When, when you lose to Golden State the way they did at home, I mean, Alex Rodriguez owns your team, man. It's like when we said, you know, with, with what was given up for Rudy Gobert, for, for better or for worse, Alex didn't come here to bump, man. He didn't come, he didn't come here to, like, move runners over. Yeah. I also don't think he came here to get blown out on a Sunday and then play a very middling Washington team with two very nice players and some complimentary players that are decent and then have it happen again. Yeah. And Porzingis plays the unicorn card in the first half, man. He might have 30 points in the first half. Yeah, I was so disappointed in that. I mean, when you look when you look at and and you mentioned it, they're middling. This is a Wizards team that's going to fight for that ninth or 10th spot. They're the play-in caliber team. Yeah. And you have the Kyle Kuzma types that are good on middling teams because they'll get a lot of ball handling, a lot of shot opportunities, and I think he had in the 20s last night. 
But overall, I mean, it's Bradley Beal, it's Porzingis. You can throw Mr. Morris into that mix. But for the most part, it's a two-man team. And he didn't come here to get blown out no. by teams on a regular basis. And now he's sweating Carl Anthony Towns. He's going to have an MRI, I believe it's later today. And Hopefully they arrived home safely and got in before this storm. Did Stifle get nicked up too? I didn't see anything on Stifle. Yeah, I saw I saw Carl Anthony Towns leave the game. He didn't play many minutes. But, uh, but nevertheless... It's it, it's I can't even remember what I texted you yesterday, man. I'm like, it, it's it's. Well, you so, said you said a, a, I mean, a Rod doesn't want to get embarrassed. Think about it. He bought an NFL or an uh, NBA team to win games and potentially hoist a trophy. Rob, think about Alex Rodriguez in his Miami mansion, and like, say he has things going on on Sunday, so he can't watch the game against the Warriors. But that's okay. He didn't want to watch that game anyway. He settled in Monday with family members and his best friends because he, like, played it out like, well, this is going to be a game that we're going to get right on the road, and then it's going to catapult. It's going to catapult us to some some good things against potentially some good squads. Yeah. And then Unicorn goes for 30 in the first half. Yeah, it's not good. What are we supposed to do here, man? And it's not getting better, but uh, you've had McDaniel out for a stretch. You've had injury issues and such, little nick-ups here and there. Here's yeah. uh, here's what head coach, I, I think this is the quote we'll see about not hitting the panic button. I mean, I just told our guys, you know, five days ago we played our best basketball of the season, and we feel like we're a million miles away from that. But reality is I don't think we are. You know, we just got to get our turnovers under control and our fouling. And, you know, those are things that have been kind of bugaboos for us all season, if you will. And when they rear their head like they have done the last couple games, it's been really, 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 you know, detrimental. This is almost kind of like a wash, rinse, repeat quote for Finch. And I, I just think Finch is in kind of a tough spot right here. Nearly identical roster minus Pat Beverly that you have from a year ago. You add Rudy Gobert. But and, and, and thanks to second, uh, second Harvest, we've had the head coach on weekly, and he's been, I think, as forthright and as honest as you can possibly be about some of the situations plaguing this team. But you do feel in a lot of these post games, he's constantly having to either defend or speak more positively of the Rudy and Cat partnership on the court. I, yeah. I, you know, however often you're able to listen to some of these post games. Good God. But, but it is with regularity. That it's like, okay, chemistry is still coming together. It's only 20 games. We're still trying to figure this out. Um, I love the connectivity between the two at times. Uh, the assists, obviously, for Cat have gone through the roof. Still trying to figure out how he gets his and how he works his shot into the mix. Uh, but Rudy, very, very up and down. And we joked about it earlier in the season where if there's a game where Rudy Gobert is your highest scorer, something has gone wrong, yeah. right? Well, right now, we're not even necessarily seeing night by night the massive defensive and boards impact that Rudy Gobert is known for. That would be the reason that we brought one of the best defensive players in the NBA here is to get rebounds, affect shots, get blocks, and and just absolutely be the ultimate isolated man in the middle uh, on the defensive side of the court. And it just isn't happening at this stage. So if you're Chris Finch, after every single game, you're kind of trying to answer or explain or maybe defend yep. uh, the same situation that keeps arising. Uh, but I don't I don't look at that as being necessarily an issue last oh night God. As, as much as this team just collectively as a unit cannot defend. What place do you think Stifle is? Top 20, top 10, blocks per game, 
2022-2023 season? Well, first of all, he's historically in the top three, like Miles Turner, yeah. and then it's Stifle, and let's throw somebody else in Miles there. Turner is number two at 2.6. Well, it's got to be Zubats number one, right? Is... Zubats six, oh. 1.9. He's been doing some work for Khan. Bro, like Bowl Bowl is fifth. Yeah, Bowl Bowl is. I got to start taking Bowl Bowl seriously. Well, I'm playing Bowl Bowl this week and I'm not enjoying it. Bro, Bowl, I mean, this is unbelievable that Bowl Bowl is making the impact that he is. He's more than just a name. Yeah, I know. I'm guessing Rudy Gobert. I'm going to put him. Nick Claxton is fourth, 2.1. Is he still with the Nets? Uh, despite Funk Shui being the worst team in LFL, I just learned we, we do have the league shot block leader in Brooke Lopez. Oh, well done. At 2.9. All right, so we've rattled off about five or six names and no stifle. Is I mean, he's got to be seventh then, right? He's 15th. Oh, come on. At 1.4, well, he's, let's see, Collins, John Collins. Come on, man. Evan Mobley. He's tied with Jaden McDaniels, who's on I mean, Jaden can block shots, but this is historically one of the great shot blockers in the history of the NBA, and he's, t- he's tied for 15th. Well, the the... Let's see what the the inverse or the correlating ah. the correlating stat I should say. Darius Baisley Basley is right behind him. Okay, opponent three point shots attempted. Your guy Jason Tatum is four spots behind him at one two. Okay, so our opponents attempt the second most three pointers in the NBA against the Wolves. Something called Christian Coloco is four spots behind him for the Raptors. And we allow the most three-point made shots in the NBA at 14 a clip. And so if you're hitting all those threes and you're attempting all those threes, how does does Stifle Tower become top three or top five in blocks? Because we don't don't allow them to get to the hoop. They don't need to get to the hoop. Very good point. They can just take outside shots on us all freaking day. Very good point. And we're seeing it happen on a night-by-night basis. And uh, as evidenced uh, by the last couple, whether it's Golden State and then uh, now you got the Unicorn and Beal getting after us last night. Although yes. Beal's not shooting as many threes as he has in the past. And so that is affecting Khan as well as he is employing Khan, uh, employing Bradley Beal. But there, there we are with that. Wolves in trouble. 10-15, we're going to go um, outside and look in some snow piles for Arif Hassan, see what we can find. Rally to the, the fan. comes to the snow and slippery roads, I think it's safe to say Arif don't like it. Arif Hassan, ProFootballNetwork.com, at Arif Hassan NFL via Twitter. How about those roads out there, Mr. Hassan, and good morning. Uh, good morning. The roads were, I guess, a little bit more challenging than I anticipated. I've really? lived here for a long time. <laughs> I shouldn't have been as surprised as I was. Right. But, you what, know, I guess, what's I guess, it like out there? Because... 90 minutes from now, a little less than that, I'm zipping over to Egan. Um, is it bad? It's it's pretty bad. Yeah, because it's the, it's the kind of the light powdery stuff that's hard to get traction on. Oh, yeah, that was that was the biggest issue, especially because, uh, uh-huh. you know, I had to get out starting on side roads, which have yeah. absolutely no traffic on them. So they haven't been worn down. So that was that was the bigger issue. Highways are all right. Everyone's driving slow, which is a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it's it was difficult for me to get traction. You you. Arif Hassan, at least from what I know of you now with, with, with our ever-developing friendship, you're very even-keeled. When now, now, granted, you know, getting here at 10 o'clock is preferred, mm-hmm. but if it doesn't happen, that's okay. It ain't life or death. It's radio. 
the anxiety gene at about 9.50 when, when you texted me and said, GPS says I'm going to be a couple of minutes late. And I'm like, everything's all good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's 10.15 and we got Noah Reef. And we were worried that maybe you slid off the side of the road and like became a human mogul. Yeah, no, I, I was uh, I was I was getting kind of the GPS actually sent me. So after I sent that, you know, I, I was able to to get uh, onto the highway and then the GPS changed its mind about what was the best direction Adds mm-hmm. about, you know, nine, ten minutes to the ride. Now, yes. now I'm on the highway. I can't text you and give you an update. Did so. you have anxiety? Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> How bad? I, it was it was pretty bad. More about being late because you know I yeah. I don't like being made a liar of. Right? You know I, no, I give not you an made update. a liar, but I mean you're doing us a favor by coming in and offering your elite football mind. So I mean, if there had been a this sucks, it's ridiculous that that I would be expected to come in on these roads, and I'm turning around nine to noon's always okay with that. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that, but I told you I'd be here. You, yep. you, you, you created an area of the schedule for me to be here. Aww. Now it's my obligation to be here. You, uh, you believe Green Bay was foolish to play Rodgers the last handful of games due to uh, due to that broken thumb? I believe uh, that's how I read it. Yeah. When, when I read, um, I think that might be your most recent story, or the yes. receivers one yes. to it. Uh, I think I think it's receivers. I mean, they were published within hours. Profootballnetwork.com. Yeah. Take us through it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I understand, you know, the the mentality that Aaron Rodgers had in kind of approaching this. You know, he's an elite quarterback. He's monomaniacal, as all these elite quarterbacks are. Uh, and, and he has a commitment to the game, and he wants to push through. I get that he feels like he can throw the ball. For the first couple of games, you know, maybe that makes sense. But by by the end of it, right, and I don't know if it's the end. He might try to, to push through and play again. But by the end of it, before Jordan Love comes in, they're one in six, mm-hmm. right, through the seven weeks that he has that thumb injury. He ranks... 20th to 27th in various quarterback metrics where if you take a look before in those first five weeks because he had the thumb injury basically at the end of that giants game mm-hmm. week five um he was doing not amazingly but certainly substantially better than he was with the thumb injury none of that is a surprise but they have a first round pick at quarterback that they have committed to as being potentially the quarterback of the future they've given him a lot of preseason reps they've given him some reps with the first team just kind of generally speaking and at some point, either the team or Rodgers or ideally both need to sit down and have a tough conversation and say, hey, you're one of the smartest people we've ever worked with. You're one of the most dedicated people we've ever worked with. It's time for you to fulfill your obligation to the 52 other members of the team and take a back seat while your thumb heals so we can maximize the number of wins that we have. And he didn't do that. Monomaniacal. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about uh, things? It's an adjective. Suffering from or relating to monomania, a condition in which someone is extremely interested in one thing. All right, so A-Raj, monomaniacal. High-end quarterbacks, monomaniacal. Mm -hmm. What's the monomaniacal part for Aaron? Ball. Just playing (laughs) ball, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just everything football, right? Yeah. Right, okay, I get that. Um, So... The, the the thing when I read your story that I had forgotten about was pretty cool for Aaron to be playing with a bad thumb and making mistakes and throwing it to the wrong team and rare pick sixes mm-hmm. and then after games blaming coaches and players. Yeah, well, that's that's, pretty, that's, that's cool. what that that's what really got me. Are I, you kidding I, I me? Think that's, I, I don't think I would have written this story if he wasn't blaming other people right. along the way. That's the thing that really gets me. I mean, he is like you said throwing picks making bad reads, 
blaming other people for their mistakes without really, you know, taking accountability for his own. And if he is taking accountability, no one's hearing it because it's getting overwhelmed by him talking about all the mistakes his teammates are making, talking about how, you know, these guys should be benched, which is a coaching comment, obviously, right? You know, if if you're like, hey, you know, half of these guys shouldn't be starting. Well, you're not making the the starting decisions. They're not making the starting decisions. It's the coaches, right? So you're essentially blaming the coaches. He talks about how, you know, he doesn't like how the offense is being run. He doesn't like the amount of motion in the offense. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's 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 always finding another thing that's not related to the fact that you're not throwing the ball very well. And yeah. and and the thing is, I can I can kind of get it when when you've got a couple of throws every game that are spectacular, they're astounding, they're classic Aaron Rodgers plays. He had them yeah. in this last game, right? But um, if he's not doing it consistently, because the only game that he did that consistently was Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. If he's not doing it consistently, clearly something is wrong. It's not his communication with the receivers. It's not that the receivers don't know the offense. So he's not throwing the ball very well, and now he's blaming them for that. About a month and a half ago, you were all over the metaphorical jock of the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> and I didn't happen to agree with what you were saying. And then they made a move for Christian McCaffrey. And then I mostly agreed with what you were saying. But now the totality of the team, now that Debo's getting some, see, like, like what bugged me was, Debo was the identity of that offense. Yeah. McCaffrey comes in, Debo's targets, and the whole thing goes down. All right. Well, I mean, marathon, not sprint, I guess, because it took a little while mm-hmm. to like his targets are up. The, the whole thing with Debo's now up. Ayuk's contributing. Yeah. Kittle's targets are back up. Man, th- this you you saw it clearly, man. This this machine's starting to roll, these Niners. Yeah, it's it's revving yeah. up. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, like, and this is the reason I was really interested in the Niners. Kyle Shanahan knows how to design an offense. Mm-hmm. He knows how to design an offense around what his quarterbacks can and can't do. He knows exactly how to maximize that. Uh, he taught that to Mike McDaniel. That's exactly why the Miami Dolphins are rolling right now. Two attack right. of a low. Everyone thought he was a limited quarterback. Turns out maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but it's working, right? Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Limited quarterback, for yeah. sure, but it's working. The fact that he's pairing that with this remarkable defense, Damn. right? I mean, it, it's giving them a lot. Well, that safety you talked about is the bomb. What's the yeah. guy's name? The Helen rookie? Hufunga. Is he a rookie? Uh, second year. Second Yeah, he's the bomb. Yeah, he's incredible. He's um, I, he's putting himself in the conversation to be a top five safety. Right. It's 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 remarkable levels of play. You've got him. You've got Fred Warren at the second level. You've got Nick Bose at the first level. I mean, yep. they've, got, they've got threats everywhere, and... Really, the only area of that defense that you're remotely worried about might be some of those corners. Corners? Yeah. So what, they got Witherspoon? Yeah, they got Witherspoon, and then uh, they've been rotating through. They've got Jimmy Ward playing both safety and corner sometimes, just something that he's used to throughout his career. I think, what, Northern Illinois did both? Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're kind of rotating through some of those guys. I don't think they've got Mosley anymore. Um, but they, they kind of miss uh, kind of the, the high-level corner play that they're used to having. That's Arif Hassan, 9 to noon, very happy to report he's safe. Um, he's safe and sound in the 651 Carpet Studios at Arif Hassan NFL via Twitter, if you'd like to follow like 9 to noon. And um, he writes in abundance for ProFootballNetwork.com. ProFootballNetwork.com. We got a Tom Brady talker, a Mike White talker, and some Vikings-Jets conversation when we read KFAN. This thing's all about defense and working hard. Oh my God! 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 Oh my
wouldn't wish divorce on my worst enemy. Tom Brady is planning and playing football games during a divorce. He's lost weight. It, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I can't say when it comes to putting the game plan together, mingling and like being open and talking to team. I, I have no idea. I'm just saying that that's got to be a super arduous, tough endeavor, putting the thing together, then, then compartmentalizing during the games to be the greatest quarterback in the history of quarterbacks. And, and they're not winning games. They're five and six. That has to be tough. I mean, it, it absolutely has to be um, just a huge weight on him. And the thing is, like, so he's been playing poorly. Um, he missed a good portion of training camp. I imagine the personal issues that he's having now are related to the personal issues that made him miss training camp. Um, and and he's, like, not on the same page with his receivers. Maybe he doesn't have the ability to kind of focus in the way that he does. But it's also getting compounded by how poorly the offense is being run. Uh, but Byron Leftwich, who I was rooting for, I, I don't want to say that. I, I'm really excited about what he could do long-term, but right now that offense isn't very good. It, it's a little bit too simple. It doesn't take into account the fact that the offensive line is a little bit too injured to run the offense yeah, they were used to. A lot injured. Very injured, yeah. And Todd Bowles is not managing games very well. I mean, the the it, it's going to be overtaken by what Jeff Saturday did on Monday night, but how poorly the Bucks managed the Sunday game mm. uh, was egregious. You know, they didn't use any of the timeouts that they had until the very end when they got like eight seconds left. And um, they they inhibited an actual comeback opportunity from the comeback king mm. just with the poor clock management. Right. Arif Hassan, profootballnetwork.com, the con. You know, you mentioned the simplicity of the offense. Is there any aspect of what's happening with the Bucks similar to the Packers in terms of future HOF QB having issues with said OC or play caller and that creating dissension in terms of how to move forward. And I think, you know, LaFleur, even as the head coach, 12 has used his platform to kind of speak above and right. said, you know, peeing contest. But think about Byron Leftwich trying to get into an argument with Tom Brady about how to make things work around those injury issues you've mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it, to Tom Brady's credit, he has not made whatever issues that he may or may not have with the offense public. You know, I think that, that uh, that's the bar nowadays, I guess. But... Um, yeah, I, I have to imagine that those meetings between the two have become contentious. And the thing is, um, you know, it's not like Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers where they will install their own offense. Tom Brady had a very healthy dialogue with Bruce Arians about installing an offense that was a, a genuine mix of, of what Arians does and what Brady does. Uh, and so Brady does take on a little bit of the offense of the coaching around him in ways that some of these other quarterbacks didn't they just installed their own offense basically or called their own plays Brady doesn't want to do that because the offenses that he ran in New England were so complex you changing things always led to some kind of disaster because you know you 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 fill all these receivers with all of this information about what they should do and you change something at the last second in terms of how you know the operation of how things run and it leads to these big problems um here I'm confident that he's got a big say in how this offense is run but it is still not him calling the plays, right? If three plays come in to his headset and all of them are bad, there's not really much else he can do. <laughs> so, <Ow. laughs> so there's, um, so that, that's creating some problems. Brady also just isn't throwing the ball as well as he used to. I, I don't even think it's an arm strength thing. I, I think it's just, you know, um, the ball is not as accurate or it's not going where it needs to be as consistently as we're used to seeing from him. 
Can you uh, can you explain Geno Smith to me? So I know they've lost a couple now, and more defensively than offense, have yeah. cost them a couple of games, exactly, yeah. home games, by the way. But Geno Smith, and, and now I'm starting to hear kind of rumblings even get louder about the idea how Geno Smith has been basically screwed over his entire career, right? He gets the four-year stretch uh, with the Jets. I think some you know uh, unnamed linebacker, I think, may have broken his jaw or something at one point. Oh, in okay, Adam Pauly. He's named. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Now he's in, like, real estate or something like that. Sure. And Geno's throwing for 300 a game. But then he goes to the Giants behind Eli. It's the Chargers behind Phillip Rivers. And then to the Seahawks behind Russell Wilson. So that's a tough stretch to try and break your way into starting games. But now that he's there and they made that decision, Geno Smith has been fantastic. He was he he played winning football in an OT loss to the Raiders on Sunday, mm-hmm. and he's having an amazing season. Yeah, I think statistically you could make the case that right now he's a top-eight quarterback. I mean, he is doing really excellent stuff, and he's doing stuff that I, I didn't see from him uh, either with the Jets or at West Virginia before the Jets drafted him because, you know, West Virginia, he's running the Dana Holgerson offense. Really short stuff. I mean, super innovative stuff. I mean, all of, all the NFL teams have now stolen stuff from that offense, but uh, it's really short, yards after the catch, really quick, get rid of the ball right away, um, spread offense, you know, exactly what the defense is doing, something that you can't really do in college uh, in the NFL because of the hashes. And so, to me, he was somebody that needed a little bit of help, um, you know, in terms of reading with an NFL offense against an NFL defense. Uh, he was playing really smart football with them, but it's just kind of that transition. He was somebody that I, whose arm strength I didn't really think the world of. Right now, he's doing an excellent job processing really quickly, getting rid of the ball at the right time, throwing with a lot of arm strength, and getting the ball to the receivers that matter. I mean, if you've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and you don't use them, you're doing something wrong, and he's doing something right. Um, so uh, how he did with the Jets, I think – a lot of that does have to do with Geno. I think he just wasn't ready to play NFL-level football because of the offense that he came from and what his particular development curve was. But also, you can't convince me that that was a good group of coaches that he was working with, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that I think, plays a, a pretty significant role. Plus, Geno Smith, at the end of, uh, of, of those Jet seasons, would always figure it out, the final five or six games, and then there would be, like, a coaching change, right? And now he has to figure out something new. Uh, and so I think that his experience with, you know, Philip Rivers and Eli Manning probably did help him develop as a quarterback, at least as far as, you know, what it looks like to prepare for NFL games, how it is that you absorb a playbook, how it is that you interact with teammates, which that is probably a strength that he's had his entire career is that people uh, in the locker room, IK and Polly aside, have generally always liked him. Right. You know? um, but uh, here I think that he's matured both as a uh passer and as a leader uh and and that has been really big for seattle and i think that you're right he's playing winning football that defense which i mean the the defensive rookies those cornerbacks were playing lights out out of their mind i think they may have hit a wall um but that defense has let them down the past couple of games Mm -hmm. to the minnesota vikings and i posed this question to pa yesterday uh during a vikes bite segment kind of the idea of if if you were going to get either a caleb evans back this weekend or you were going to get dalvin tomlinson back this weekend just thinking back the last couple of weeks uh caleb evans uh you know gives way to duke shelley dalvin tomlinson now missing his fourth game i mean Maybe that's something to play around with. But just in the end, our defense has and the Vikings have conceded uh, 400 or more yards to their opponents in three straight games and six of their 11 games. Still nine and two, but still a work uh, very much in progress on that side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think missing a Caleb Evans has been pretty big. I think Dalvin Tomlinson, of course, was playing really excellent football before his calf injury. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we saw some pretty good stuff from from guys that they've picked up off of the, I guess, the Chicago Bears practice squad specifically, both yeah. Duke Shelley and Kyrus Tonga. So Duke Shelley made his first start in a year. Yeah. But his last start for the Bears was inside. They, the starting outside mm-hmm. corner, I think that was his first start of his National Football League career outside. I'm pretty sure you're right. Wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, they're getting really good play out of those guys, but it's not enough. I mean, I think uh, Caleb Evans has been um, kind of fun to watch. I mean, he's he's a guy that, that knows exactly what his body can and can't do. He's got a lot of body control, a lot of body awareness. He's still making mental errors. And I think that's the thing that's, you know, the same thing with Cameron Dancer, you know, at the beginning of the season, right? So it's not as if, you know, that that's, um, you know, a death knell, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can work around that and yeah. hope that he can continue to, to learn what the defense expects of him. It's but not monomaniacal. Really well. It's not monomaniacal. Well, there's no doubt. Um, but there, I, I think that uh, Evans is playing really well when he's healthy. And it'd be nice to get him back because I think, you know, the way that the passing games have hurt uh, the Vikings uh, defensively, um, has really put them in these dangerous situations. I mean, I think it's it's probably not a coincidence that Mac Jones had his best game in a year, mm. um, given you know the injury that the Vikings had on defense mm-hmm. um, and how good a lot of those receivers started playing. I mean, I think we we all knew Jacoby Myers was having a really excellent season. He's playing mm-hmm. really well, mm-hmm. but you know to see Nelson Aguilar go off, to see Devontae Parker finally go off, I think a lot of that has to do with the injuries that they had at corner. Jacoby Myers. Who came in the league first, Cedric Wilson, now with the Dolphins, or Jacoby Myers? It was pretty close, right? Yeah, I, I think it was if we just Cedric guessed. Wilson. Okay, well, Jacoby Myers is trying to be Cedric Wilson more than Cedric Wilson is Cedric Wilson, and he's actually Cedric Wilson, what I'm talking about. Jacoby Myers throws the football. I yeah. didn't know that. He, he completed a pass earlier this season. Yeah. He completed a dazzling pass last year. Mm-hmm. He's like two for two throwing. So I kept waiting for the old Cedric Wilson, like Devontae Parker, or no, the speedy kid, that uh, the, the Thornton bit, Taekwon. Yeah, Taekwon Thornton. Thornton. Yeah, yeah. The, the Baylor kid that, I, that I, I heard a fair amount about because of his speed, and he might have played four snaps. So I was waiting for this Jacoby Myers end around he stops and here's the Baylor trick middle of the field nobody knows who he is mm-hmm. he's small he's diminutive excuse me I'm sorry um, <laughs> he he's fast and they find him middle of the field but that never developed so maybe a Jacoby Myers is underutilized unlike profootballnetwork.com college football network is on the horizon College Football Network, is it going to be collegefootballnetwork.com? Yeah. Or just, t- okay. Yeah. Well, how about this? I mean, seriously, you, um, the touting that's taking place at profootballnetwork.com right now would make the late Jimmy the Greek Schneider blush. <laughs> I mean, you got bowl predictions, but all these conference title games, yeah, they got like point spreads and predictions and everything at profootballnetwork.com. What, uh, what led you guys to expanding to other uh, colleges? Um, part of it just had to do with how dedicated the college team already was. I mean, we we had a college team at, at Pro Football Network that yeah. was working in their own vertical. Um, and I know that, you know, I, I do a lot of kind of draft work in the background before any of that gets published because mm. I need to keep updated. And I was gathering a lot. You know, I do the consensus big board every year and I was gathering some preliminary information. And I was like, hey, there's a lot of differences this year on this consensus big board. Can you tell me about, you know, three or four of these players? 
And they're like, well, some of the boards that you're gathering are from people who haven't been watching this. Oh. I was like, oh, that's pretty harsh. What's going on? Was that around the water cooler at the profootballnetwork.com headquarters in Houston? Or was it all online? <laughs> it was all online. Of course uh, it was. And, Slack uh, channel. And, and, I, and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And it's like, well, this guy got benched. This guy got wow. benched. This guy, you know, has been hurt for the year. And they told me about, like, third stringers that on these random teams, yeah. right? And I was like, okay. You know, I'm hearing about like this guard from Navy or whatever, and they yeah. would give me the scouting report. And I was like, wow, I'm really impressed with kind of the depth of knowledge that that team had. And I think that plus kind of the 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 commitment they have to covering the breadth of college football, mm-hmm. watching as many games, which I mean, it, it's hard for me to watch all 16 games in a weekend of the NFL to watch all these college football games. Um, take and and to know kind of exactly what's going on all the time takes a lot of dedication. And I think, what do you mean watching them all, like start to finish? Yeah. Well, who the hell does that? <laughs> well, pro football focus or places like that, but they yeah. ha- they have offices or entities. So it's I can't believe you know what one guy's watching five games wire to wire. Mm-hmm. Or do you know how it works? I mean, um, I mean, I haven't delved into exactly how they watch all the games, um, but you know, it's it's four or five guys yeah. uh, over at College Football Network that or making sure that they get that spread of games, certainly all the top 25 games for sure, but yeah. make sure that they've got a good understanding of what's going on in the FBS. Anytime I have a draft question um, about any college player, they answer immediately mm-hmm. with with the, with the depth of knowledge I was really surprised by. Um, so not because I didn't expect it, but rather because, you know, it, sometimes it's just like, I, I didn't know that you were like this deep in Northern Illinois to, right. to use. Yeah. You know, so in November. Right. Exactly. And so uh, I, I think that level of, of commitment and knowledge kind of inspired the move to make sure that we highlighted the, the work that they do, because it really is incredible. stuff. How much uh, how much of the big board as you as you put this together with these opinions and people watching film is solved or as close to finish as possible even before the combine? Because every year our conversation in the draft is, well, the tape doesn't lie, but then you get these sneaky medical conversations. Like, how about mm-hmm. Andrew Booth most recently and just kind of, you know, how much work it went in, went into trying to figure out just how injured or hurt this kid's been basically since Pop Warner. And now, unfortunately, he may be done for his rookie season. But the mm-hmm. idea of into combine measurables while you're all in spandex on a in an isolated field of used Lucas Oil – versus the games that your guys are watching yeah i mean uh, all this work that i'm doing beforehand is is definitely just preliminary stuff i'm just trying to get a beat on on what's happening with these guys well most so of these then you haven't, even, not, you haven't even started yeah that's what you're yeah, saying yeah basically right uh all all of these boards will get reworked after you do you know shrine bowl senior bowl nfl pa bowl type stuff mm. uh they'll get reworked again uh, right before the combine as a bunch of stuff kind of leaks out mostly from agents of players but mm-hmm. as a bunch of stuff leaks out and then after the combine after all of the stuff with the medicals and you know the nfl rumor mill and trying to figure out what's going on there um and then again uh, as we head up right before the draft as everybody kind of gets access to a bunch of the information that they need to have access to, you know, hey, I'm hearing about red flags, how serious are these red flags kind of stuff, right? Um, and so most of the boards that that go into the consensus big board are not finalized until two or three weeks before the draft itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's only after the combine that I begin doing kind of heavy lifting to make sure that, you know, all of the things on, on, the, on the board are, you know, double checked, making sure I got players' names spelled right, the right. position designations correct. The school is correct, making yep. sure that players declared. I mean, that's one of the biggest issues is that a lot of people, 
Reed Blankenship, the mm-hmm. uh, undrafted free agent. Uh, the Eagles? Yeah, for the Eagles, yeah, Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, and he was a potential mid-round pick a couple of years ago, but then he got injured, uh, had to go back, plays a lot slower, played a lot slower in middle Tennessee. They changed his position from free safety to strong safety mm. as a result. And a lot of people thought that after he had a good year that he had declared last year. So I had to eliminate Reed Blankenship from a bunch of, you know, of these big board rankings, which is very frustrating because I trust these guys a lot. And I would hope that they understand that Reed Blankenship was going back to middle Tennessee state. Um, you know, and he had a, he had a, a COVID year, right? So he had the ability to go back because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's making sure that by the time I get to the combine that I do have the right list uh, of players at the right positions, making sure that they're all declared, double checking with people to make sure that they, because they'll, they'll watch, you know, somebody like Blankenship will say, Hey, we like this. We like this. We don't like this. We don't like this. Yeah. And they, they didn't realize that he had changed his mind about declaring. Uh, and so you have to circle. So it's, it's a lot of that kind of work to make sure that that list is pristine. Because when I publish, I mean, now it's my name, yeah. right? So I need to make sure that everything is is up to date and accurate. So you're going to the combine, yeah? Okay, uh, is well, this I mean, this is unbelievable. It is there going to be an opportunity for the ProFootballNetwork.com group to converge on Indianapolis? Yeah, I hope so. How difficult the eye contact going to be? <laughs> Well, are you guys going to have a lot of people meeting each other for the first time? <laughs> You're going to have conversations with each other 10 feet away texting? I mean, it's got to be the, the smoothest way to do it, right? Well, That's just how we're used to talking. Right. <laughs> are you nervous? No, I mean, I've done this before. I mean, uh, you know, bef- before I got uh, the job with The Athletic, you know, when I was just tweeting, right? When I was just like, hey, what yeah. do I think about this player? This you know, there, there, was, there was a whole group of people that in, uh, I think, starting around 2012, 2013, yeah. we called it draft Twitter. It's just a bunch of yeah. uh, uh, kids and young adults trying to figure out, you know, what's going on in football. And eventually we were all able to meet up at mm. the Senior Bowl. You know, we have people yeah, from like Philadelphia. Yeah, like the Luke Inmans of the world. Exactly, right? Um, you know, we, we, uh, we, we knew each other from Twitter. We had never met each other before. People mm-hmm. from Oregon, Philadelphia, New York, Texas, Alabama, right? Mm. We would all meet up at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, I, I think for, for some people, weird. it was a little bit weird. Yeah, it was hard. Um, Name but, tags know. on. <laughs> <laughs> I did have those moments where somebody would be like, hi. And yeah. I was like, well, I know that you know what yeah. I look like. I have no idea who you are. Yeah, I mean, they think you're <laughs> Eric, A-R-I-K, as in Armstead. <laughs> And you're like, well, I looked at the, I mean, I looked, you looked at the name tag wrong, man. I'm a reef. I'm not Eric as an Eric Armstead. This is going to be weird at the combine. Ooh, I love this article. ProFootballNetwork.com has their top five kickers for the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, Many Vikings deep. fans yeah, all wrapped up could on be this. interested. In, well, it's just something to pay attention to. Yeah. And it is a very deep kicking class. Watch <laughs> out for Christopher Dunn. Oh, NC okay. State. Okay. We got Ruggles out of Ohio State. He doesn't Ruggles. have to. He doesn't have to kick a lot of field goals. He's very, very uh, good at extra points. Ooh, okay. Harrison Mevis from Missouri. That's That's my guy. There we go. There we go. And then he'll forget he said this in November. We'll draft a kicker in May, and it'll be, who the hell uses a draft pick on a kicker? (laughs) Why would you do that? Seriously, you can't do that. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So, in closing, Mike White looks snazzy against a bad Bears defense. Mm -hmm. My narrative coming into the show today was like, Nine and two teams with Super Bowl aspirations do not lose home games to Mike White. But then I went back and, and took a glance at his first start last year yeah. against Cincinnati. Yeah. And, and I'm watching Trey Hendrickson and, 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 and Ogunjobi or some other guy in the middle, like up on him, and he's completing dimes on shallow crosses. Yeah. I'm like, what happened? What are we doing here with this Mike White? Mike White, Mike White might be good. He might be decent.
Yeah, I think I want to say three or four of his games have finished with a passer rating over 100. Hmm. The rest of his games have been a passer rating below 70. The con. <laughs> so it's, it's been it's been a little bit up and down for him. But uh, I, I think that there might be something there. I mean, he's uh, mechanically fairly sound as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He uh, was originally he was a South Florida guy, transferred over to Western Kentucky to take over Brandon Doty. Western Kentucky now known for Bailey Zappi, who mm-hmm. set a uh, passing yardage record. Same offense, basically. Uh, and uh, and and White wanted to play in that offense. He didn't really like the Willie Taggart offense in South Florida. It's the reason that he that he transferred. And I think that he made the right decision. I think that um, you know, obviously, you know, he stuck around in the NFL for a while. Um, I'm trying to remember who drafted him because it was the Cowboys, I think, yeah, in the fifth Cowboys round. Cowboys drafted yeah. him in the uh, fifth round, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he goes over to the Jets and, and I mostly just watched his Western Kentucky stuff, but it's when you, when you look at players coming out of that system, people like Bailey Zappi or Gardner Minshew or Brandon Doty, they generally do not have a lot of arm strength because Mm. quarterbacks that are recruited to that system Mm. only get recruited there because they're not getting recruited to SEC or big 10 schools. Right. Right. Uh, and and those quarterbacks tend to have bigger arms or more athleticism. So these guys tend to be statues in the pocket. They tend not to have a ton of arm strength, but they do have a lot of anticipation. They do play with a lot of accuracy, at least within the college system. We're seeing that with White, although I think that he's got a little bit more arm strength than somebody like the Gardner Minshew. And so you've got to be a little bit more careful about the stuff that he can do out to the sidelines. He's used to spreading the ball around all over the football field. We saw that, you know, with with the Jets, a bunch of people got targets, right? Even Tyquan Thornton only had four snaps, got two targets, I want to say. Right. Um, So he's pretty dangerous, but he is prone to being kind of in love with that first read. Uh, and so if you can figure out what that's going to be, you can mm. you can jump the route. So and, he has no swivel. It. Uh, it's it's difficult for him. He lost his swivel. <laughs> no, that's massive news. Okay, now hold on. In closing, do you like the USA World Cup soccer team over or under a half goal? Under a half goal. If you think they're going to get Rodrigo blanked and shipped, <laughs> they're plus 280. It's plus yeah. 280 under a half. Minus 400 over a half. That's that's interesting. Damn. Huh. That's why you just don't bet it unless you just want a little a little bit of two and a half to one vibe yeah. into the game. You yeah. get you get two point eight to one. Yeah. I mean, how patriotic <laughs> yeah, see that's the thing. <laughs> what are you doing? No, you can't. Well, I'm do set that. to make a thousand here if the USA gets <laughs> blanked. And by the way, if they get Rodrigo blanked and shipped, they're also out of the tournament. Correct. Yes. Yeah, I, you can't bet that. I, I, I'm pretty confident they'll score a goal or two. Oh, you watch? Um, not a ton. I used to be super into soccer. I'm yeah. not super confident that I know very much about okay. this team. Watching Tyler Adams was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. There's a kid that he's been that the best player days. on the field. The yeah. both games. Yeah, you know Harry Kane. And uh, and I really like the individual <laughs> talent that Pulisic has. Right. Yep. But I can't pretend I know a ton about soccer. Same. Right. Same. Um, so but they you, have trouble you, scoring. But you know plenty yeah. about plus two eighty. <laughs> so guess what you're going to be doing in that little <laughs> elevator vestibule. <laughs> Scoresandodds.com. Let's we'll see what I can do here. Last yeah. three games. <laughs> uh, injuries. All right, you're the best. Uh, thanks. Thanks very much for braving the elements and the roads and my voice and coming in, and I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Arif Hassan, ProFootballNetwork.com, soon to be CollegeFootballNetwork.com also, at Arif Hassan NFL via Twitter. Final hour begins with uh, Nordo, the con, designing a potential playoff push primer for the Minnesota Vikings, laying out the NFC and our lot in life.